WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week our guest is Paul Brown, a fellow South Jerseyan like myself, who's uh, part of the team behind a new con coming to New Jersey this month, Super Jersey Comic Expo, March 21st at the Bell Works in Holmdel. Uh, Paul's got years of experience both as an event organizer and an attendee at cons, and uh, we talk about how all that informed the energy he wanted to put into this show, and quite frankly, where one starts when one decides they want to put on a Comic-Con. The three amigos, that is myself, Matt Lazowitz, and Rob Lynch, plan to be there, so uh, if you go, we hope to see you. Uh, Meanwhile, what is going on over at WMQComics.com? Check it out. we got a bonus reading from Matt Lazowitz celebrating Will Eisner's birthday. We got a Q&A with Matt Kint about his uh, work for new publisher Bad Idea. Got a review by Joshua Bermont of Billionaire Island Number 1. We got Will Nevin answering your questions about Sean Gordon Murphy, Comicsgate, the Kool-Aid Man's insides, and more in Why Will. Uh, We got a Sunday editorial about the decisions that led to the postponement of Emerald City Comic Con. We got an X-Man of the Week on Pyro. A Q&A with Ahoy Comics Editor-in-Chief Tom Pyre. And more all waiting for you at wmqcomics.com but for now here are me and paul all right so i'm on location uh here at uh, spotlight marketing solutions in acre township a uh, new business uh in town this is this is kind of a local reference episode but uh sitting here with paul brown uh first of all paul congratulations on this place i pass by it literally every day you know it's funny is that you're not the only one that says that and i think i did a good job of uh picking the location for the place because I think they said something like 10 or 12,000 cars here pass by every single day and I tell people where I am look oh I'm right between Tilton Auto Body and Avalon Floor and they're like oh my god I drive by there every day I'm like yeah it's like the EHT Sunset Strip pretty much you know it's like uh, everyone's like oh I drive by there all the time you know so did it I I feel good here so far Mm -hmm. downside one downside people actually come in here (laughs) <laughs> so I, I have my business hours listed as 12 to 5 mm-hmm. every day, but I'm in here at like 7.38 every day because sure. I need to get actual like work work done. Yeah. I have people ask me to do meetings and stuff like that. Or people, the amount of people that are in this plaza right here because you have Green Tree Mortgage back mm-hmm. here and then you have Wiser Insurance right here, the amount of people coming in and out of these offices here on a regular basis every day is insanity. So people just see the office and they'll just walk in like, you do websites? I'm like, sure do. <laughs> and I'm like, and I don't have the I don't have it in me to like turn someone down and say come back later. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I'm just always just like what this podcast will be. This and in t- every day is a tangent for me. I see how many tangents how I'm gonna go off on. <laughs> just like that one right there. Well, that's awesome. But uh, you're here because uh, you got uh, first year con coming up uh, mm-hmm. just a couple weeks, March 21st, Super Jersey Comic Expo, Homedale, New Jersey. Correct. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, so. You know, and you and I go back, and obviously, you know, I've known, you know, your wife for 30 years now. Um, yeah. I, my thing is, is that I, I've been going to Comic-Cons, comic conventions, 
sports card shows, collectible shows, and trading shows since probably, I don't know, uh, Beachcomber in the Shore Mall when they used to do their sports card and collectible shows outside when they had the big corner unit in the Mm -hmm. Shore Mall. Yeah. You know? And I I, I first started collecting when I was, I want to say maybe six, five or six is... The earliest memory I have of opening my little box where I had collectible coins mm-hmm. and then, you know, my mom and my grandmother gave me like old paper money and stuff like that. And then when I was in first grade, I went to McKee City School for first grade. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I remember trading a friend of mine named George, an entire backpack full of sports cards that were literally just thrown in there. No, no album, no nothing, just like thrown in there. And I started organizing them meticulously. And I was like, oh, I know this guy, I know that guy, da da da. And then I started sub organizing them by team, by this, by year, by the car. And a few years later, I was, and I can't remember the name of it, but on Ocean Heights and Zion Road, okay, there was a, where in the Orbit Video Plaza, where uh, the sub place is now and everything like that, right on that side where the sub place is, there used to be a sports card and comic shop. I don't remember when it closed up, but I do remember walking in there one day, and I specifically remember going to get because I used to love the grab bags, the brown paper uh, bonus bags of cards. And I remember looking up, and I remember looking on a rack, and I remember seeing like the the shiny hologram cover with all the uh, with all the X Men on it from the cartoon that I watched. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. the X Men the animated series. Yeah, think of the guitar riff; it'll be stuck in your head all day. <laughs> um, I didn't know what comic books were. Like, I was like, wait, they made a book of that cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed it and I put it, and I, like, I remember, when growing up, I had a really difficult time reading. It's not that I couldn't read, it's just my eyes dart around like crazy. If I tried to read a regular book, reading comic books actually helped me to start, like, reading, reading, because I had pictures to associate. I was totally one of those, I don't want to read the book without pictures. Comics helped me. And that was going on, we'll say 26 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um... I fell in love with comic books at a very young age, but the issue that I had was that, like, I am also very persnickety with how events are run. Okay. Uh, because of my background in events, you sure. know, r- running Beer Fest with uh, Good Time Tricycle for years, um, doing all my own independent events over the years, that, like, I, I, I pick apart other events. And one of the things that, like, bothers me about, we'll say, mid sized Comic Cons in yeah. the Northeast is they're not Comic Cons anymore. They're pop culture conventions, which is nothing wrong, because I'm obsessed with pop culture. You see all my Back to the Future stuff on the wall over here. I have an entire shrine to that. But I like actual comic book shows, where I can go in, pay you know, a low, a low fee, whether it be $5, $10, or $20, or whatever, and I can just dig through bins of comic books. I can buy wall books. I can buy, sell, trade. And then if I'm lucky, maybe meet a famous comic creator, get something signed. What everyone in the Northeast does, un- unless you're like Garden State Comic Fest or ZapCon or Big Apple Con um, or, you know, one of the uh, conventions like out in the suburbs of Pennsylvania is everything is now a pop culture con and everybody wants to go as big as New York Comic Con and they want to do this. And then you go to a convention like at um, the, Phil- the Pennsylvania Convention Center, right? Great and, American. Right. Great. Uh, the, the, great the, the Great Philadelphia Comic yeah. Show or even say like Wizard World. Now, sure. I've been going to Wizard World for years. I love the people who run Wizard World, but it's a different world. You walk yeah. in and there are insurance companies, there are window installation companies, home meat delivery, all that stuff. It, you actually have to look to find comic books. I don't like that. 
Um, I kind of also grew up going into the VFW and Moose Lodge shows. Sure. Old school stuff. I wanted to take something, and I joined up with two guys um, who ran the Middletown Comic Show, which was a biannual show up in Middletown, New Jersey. Um, and they asked me to come on and help them with like marketing and do a website for them last summer. So I did that, and it ended up going pretty well. And then I helped them run the show this past November. Now, Middletown Comic Show was a biannual event, fall and a spring. Mm -hmm. That show went so well, and it was a free show. Middletown, uh, Middletown Art Center. I think we had just under 600 people come out. Oh. It was a free show. Yeah. The the only guest of note was Brian O'Halloran. Yep. Well, there you go. He's around. View, view Universe, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's a good man. He's a good friend. We got him very easily. And then, like, Mike Zapsik showed up. Mm -hmm. And then Ernie O'Donnell showed up. So it started almost being like a Clerks of Eosk Universe reunion, and everybody loved it. And we were like, you know what? I think that this thing has legs, and we wanted to possibly try and create something of that same vibe where it was very, very based towards comic books, but on just a larger scale. Mm -hmm. So those two guys, they came up with the idea for the venue in Homedale. Went to them at, uh, at the venue in Homedale, which is called Bell Works, yep. and it's the old Bell Labs building where, like, Probably for like 50, 60 years, really cool scientific technology stuff happened. Mm -hmm. Like if what I was reading correctly, like the actual theory for the Big Bang was invented in that building. Neat. Like the first transatlantic uh, data cable was, the concept was made in there. Like all this stuff. You drive in and there's a big giant water tower that looks like the, the New York World's Fair thing from Men in Black. Mm -hmm. And it's a, that, that's like the big symbol. So it's and it was a mid-century, 20th century building beautiful architecture full of nerds there's technology companies in there now like iSims is in there i think nvidia has a location in there and it's like an open mall and we go in there and talk to them and they had never done a open to the public convention expo thing before uh wedding receptions uh they've done corporate events meetings they've never done an expo we brought it to them and they were actually intrigued so pay an arm and a leg for the room sure. but They've been very open with us. And what we're just trying to do is we're trying to just kind of almost, I hate to say bring it back to what it used to be because everybody says that. But at least, and I'm saying before I decide to bring something like this down here to Atlantic City, which, yeah. cough, cough, it may or may not be in the works. Um, not necessarily Super Jersey, mm -hmm. but uh, I've been working on a concept with, um, with uh, Farpoint out in May's Landing about the possibility of doing something. Um, but again, that, you know, more on that later. Yes. Um, this is almost like the Prometheus concept mm -hmm. for a mid-level Comic-Con that's actually a Comic-Con. You know, you're not going to pay like $300 for a photo op with anyone. But you'll get, you know, Mike DiCarlo, who was part of Killing Robin in Death in a Family. Yep. You know, uh, you're going to get John Beatty, who did some of the best, you know, late Bronze Age stuff that you've ever seen. Bob Sharon, you know, we're trying to bring in people who, like, people remember, but it's not going to break the bank mm -hmm. to, to get to meet them. You're like, oh, we got the guy who did all the colors for ASM 300. There you go. You know, if, if, if we want the real comic book lovers to come out, but we also want people who aren't the necessarily the diehards to not feel scared to come out. Like, we want it yeah. to be, we don't want it to be elitist, but we don't want it to necessarily be, well, it's comic book con, but where are the comic books? So right. we want to try and find that happy medium. So we're trying to do like a value-driven, uh, customer service-oriented Comic-Con. Because a lot of times these places are, here, thanks for the 30 bucks to get in. Enjoy your day. Hey, mm -hmm. can I get a show map? Yeah, that'll be $20. Yeah. 
you know, stuff like that. It's like we really want to take like t- I want to take the stuff that I learned with working with John Henderson mm-hmm. uh, on Beer Fest and Seafood Fest and Tattoo Expo and all the other events and apply that level of customer service and organization to my favorite type of event. Yes. And that's the goal. So having those two guys, because they set up and they do vending at every comic show in New Jersey. They're selling comic books every weekend, but they also have their full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. I have my full-time job here, but we wanted to do something like that, and we wanted to create a completely new brand away from Middletown Comic Show. Mm-hmm. So came up with Super Jersey Comic Expo. There was the New Jersey Comic Expo, RIP. doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then you had every, what. What worries me is that down here, everyone that's tried a Comic Con has failed. But I know yeah. exactly why they failed. The reason that most of these places have failed is because number one, you can't really do a Comic Con in Atlantic City. You just can't. You have to find somewhere on the mainland to do it, um, because the second you do something in Atlantic City, you immediately lose probably thirty percent of the people that would go. Yeah, probably, no, ab- absolutely, because you're getting gouged for parking, mm-hmm. hotel rooms, every little thing. Yeah. So if and when something happens in it in down here, hopefully it will not be in Atlantic City proper. And if it is, I'm not going to do the show unless it really does benefit the person. Sure. So we wanted to do this up here. You know, low admission price for Super Jersey. It's ten dollars to get in. You know, VIP tickets are thirty dollars, which is what some of the mid-level Comic Cons charge just to get in the door. Um, I want to have a super high focus on as many like actual comic book bins being able to be dug through as possible and just we want people to be you know kids coming in free 12 kids 12 and under free and we want people to just have and enjoy their time and the benefit about bellworks is that it's it's a it's like a mall it's an eight they call it a metro burb there's coffee shops restaurants there's a public library in there there's a virtual reality place there's so much stuff to do wow so you're not just coming to the place going to the comic-con and leaving we want people to check this spot out the parking is free. There's ample parking. There's tons of room to walk around. So we just want to see, okay, can this model for a show work outside of New York or outside of Philly? Yeah. And so far, the the response to it has been very good. So fingers crossed. I don't know. What do you, uh, in terms of like capacity, what's what's sort of like the, the space that you're working with? So we're about 20,000 square feet total. Mm-hmm. Um, and it originally, originally wasn't that. There was a one big room, which we I posted on the Facebook page. It's got glass walls all around it and everything. Beautiful spot, overlooks a park. Mm-hmm. But when you're walking into that room, there's another room before that called the pre-function room. As soon as we saw that room and the size of it, we were like, we need to have that room. <laughs> so we asked them, and we, we nervously asked them how much it was for the second room. They told us, I'm like, okay, man, let's, let's try that. Um, we paid for the second room and then we were able to expand our floor. So about 20,000 square feet or so. Um, the floor layout has been done by my partner, Stan, who is an engineer. Okay. That's what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was good at floor layouts and then I saw his floor layout and I was like, this is amazing. It is so perfectly grid centered with everything being even everywhere. Um, I would say at, at a time, it shouldn't be difficult to fit in a thousand people at a time. So mm-hmm. we're talking about people coming in, sure. people co- people going all mm-hmm. day, you know, and we're we're going from like eleven to six. So you know, it, unless you're one of those people that literally walks in with like a a, a briefcase and handcuffs, <laughs> you're probably not staying at a comic con the entire time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is like really experimental. Like we just put out there today uh, that we were asking for volunteers. We're like, listen, we need help, mm-hmm. and we want to give uh, people as many perks as possible for giving us a chance so we have three different shifts for volunteers and they're five hour shifts 
And then when you're not working your shift, we've timed the shift so that way you can just go and hang out at the con all day when you're not working. People are getting a t-shirt. They're getting um, discounts off their CBCS submissions, mm. which is another thing. We were able to get one of the comic book grading companies to come out and do our show on a one-day show for the first year it ever happened. That's not something that really ever happens. Okay. You have to be like an established event. They want you to be a multi-day event because they have logistics. So we're, we're getting a lot of chances from people that, and I don't know why, um, that I think first-year events have never gotten. And I'm hoping that it's based on basically the reputation of myself and my partners because we are known mm-hmm. in the comic world. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not asking questions, but um, we're, we're having good luck so far, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about how many chances we've been given. That's great. Um, just thinking about your, your history, your experience with, with cons, and you mentioned being persnickety, you know, what are, what are some of the elements that you look for in a good show that, you know, you went into this one saying, okay, we got to have this, 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 mm-hmm. this, and this? Um, I like a... Uh, easy navigable floor layout whether you're an expert or a novice mm-hmm. um, I'm a big fan of color coding when it comes to um, floor layouts you know if a vendor is this certain type uh, it'll be this color a vendor this certain because I like I like visual I'm a very visual person like I do graphic design is one of the things I do here mm-hmm. and I'm all about visuals I'm all about being intuitive so I, I you know I, I want there to be an easy check-in process right if you bought your tickets online, you're going to go here. If you're VIP, you're going to go here. If you're uh, sales, you're if you're you know at the door sales, you're just going to go here. I want it to be communicated to people early. I don't want there to be any guessing games when I get to the door of where I got to go to when I want to go somewhere. Because to be honest, I'm not really a browser. Like whether I go shopping or wh- anytime I go out, I'm not really like a browser. I always usually kind of go in with some type of plan and I want to be able to execute that plan as easy as possible. If I can't, that's when I start getting like bothered. Okay. You know, if I, uh, oh, where can I find a floor map? Uh, uh, there, It's on the app. Okay. Well, I didn't have the app downloaded, so I go to download the app, but I don't have service mm-hmm. in the show, so I can't download the app. It takes me an hour to download the app and then I have to register to open the app. Cool, that takes another 10 minutes, and then the page in the app won't load because the PDF is too big. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to do a show program where you have a floor layout. Like, you are here. This is where you go. And it's not that big of an event floor anyway, but I still want people to know. It's like, if someone wants to be able to go and find uh, Mark McKenna right away, yeah, I want them to be able to go right to his booth. If somebody wants to just get in and submit their books to CBCS, I want them to know exactly where it is. Um, obviously, that... Besides just the value you get. For me, I'm a big, I'm, you know, being from down here, you know, obviously we are a finance, uh, what's the nicest way I could put it? A financially embattled area. Um, of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kicking and, it's kicking and scratching for every dollar, mm-hmm. you know, making your money's worth while not also causing another business to go out of, you know, to go out is I want people to have value for things. I, I like the idea of getting more than just to walk in the door for what I pay. So we want to try and have, you know, an experience here and there. We want to try and have, you know, cool free kitschkas that are given by some of our sponsors. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I just want to feel like at least the money that I gave to get in the door was appreciated. And that's enough for me. Yeah. Like a, hey, thanks for coming. Mm -hmm. You know, recognizing people when they walk in. Hey, Bill, how you been? You know, stuff like that. I feel like the customer service element more than anything has left a lot of Comic-Cons. And to be honest with you, yes, even like a lot of the small ones, with the exception of, you know, like I said, I 
I, I, I'm such a big fan of Garden State Comic Fest and ZapCon because of how they do things. They're good people. They have a comic lover in mind. They don't gouge for anything. So, like, when we built the show, it wasn't to build it as competition. Right. We actually, the first date that we settled on to do Super Jersey was March 28th. That ended up being, they didn't announce it yet, but that ended up being the same day as Zap Comic Con. Uh, and it's uh-huh. the set, we found out that day when we were about to announce it, we immediately told them, okay, we're changing our date. Yeah. And Ben and Corey were like, well, you know, I was like, no, 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 no. This is a respect thing. Mm-hmm. We are not here to be competition for you. We are going to be promoting you at our show. We're not doing a show the same way, same day as yours. Not happening. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, okay. And I feel like that, like, <laughs> because we had already booked the date. Mm. And then we had to go back to the Bellworks and say, hey, can we actually do it on a different date? And it actually took us some more time to lock that in because they weren't sure about another event coming through. Mm-hmm. So we actually kind of like shot ourselves in the foot by being nice, but it was totally worth it because I wouldn't want to go up against those events anyway. And it turns out we are going up against another Comic-Con in New England that will remain nameless because I just don't want to say the name and then lose people to my show. But it's a big Comic-Con and they have big people, but it's more, you know, again, pop culture. Yeah. Lots of money for photo ops and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, I'm not worried about that. But I did not want to go up against a single show in the tri-state era area that was close to our size. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, as, as you know, our listeners can tell, Paul and I both live in the Atlantic City area. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is an interesting area because you think, well, Atlantic City, well, that's a city that I've heard of, so they should have a Comic-Con, right? Well, and... They did. Funny thing, funny thing. So from like 2015 to 2018, I want to say, a few different shows came through. And a couple more shows said they were going to come through and then pulled out. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, and every once in a while, we just kind of have this little conversation like, what, what the hell? Right. You know, and, and it's I just different people around. in this area, like shop owners and, and, and right. what have you. Like, I think everybody does. And I think that, you know, again, because think about it, we never really had anything here besides like the Beachcomber shows at Shore Mall. Mm-hmm. And now anyone around here has to drive an hour, hour and a half right. to get to any of the cons. And then you have, you know, I actually loved the first year of AC Boardwalk Con. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fairly well put together. Um, my issue that I have with every convention that's been brought around here is that the the people come in promising New York Comic Con, right? Yeah. And what they don't realize is how tightly knit the community is here. Mm-hmm. And they immediately skip over everybody locally, try to bring in big names from out of town, don't advertise locally, and then three weeks out, they try and throw as much crap at the wall as possible to see what sticks with getting people involved. And then by that time, everybody's already made up their mind. Right. When you do something around here, you have to give people tons of notice. Because around here, people will give every single possible excuse to not go to the show that they can. Mm-hmm. Parking's too much. Traffic. It's a weekend. I'm this. I'm that. Like, it, and it, that, that's not me being, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, disgruntled. It's, it's, it's how it is. Because I've seen countless events go that way. People around here, unless you... they. 110% want to go to an event around here, they will get out of going to the event. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched it happen. I did every concert at Boneyard for five years. Uh, yeah. And the amount of times that I saw 300 interested and 45 showed up, well, same thing. It's people get out of any event around here that they possibly can, and nine times out of ten money will be the excuse. But also, oh, I just forgot about it. Mm-hmm. So when you build something like this, you have to build it way out. 
you want at least six months notice announcing it. At least. So if I'm doing if I end up may or may not be doing a show similar around here, you know, September, October, I need to announce by April or May. Right. Just to get the name out there. Because mm-hmm. if you try to announce something and you announce everything with it, you get lost in the minutia. Mm-hmm. I think that that's actually how NJ HorrorCon has been able to build what they do because they took the Monster Mania model. Yeah. They took the Monster Mania model with doing two to three months worth of announcements, mm-hmm. which is what keeps people going. Keeps people bu- 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 coming back, coming back. We have another announcement coming tonight. That, that, you know, and that, that's what keeps people coming back. It is not, here's a show and here's 800 guests because you, you, you lose the effect of 70 of them. Right. Right away, and then you forget. So you have to keep reminding people, and then you have to retouch with people, and then you have to change your marketing from three months out, two months out, one month out, and it, these companies, these larger companies, don't do that. And I know one of the guys who ran AC Boardwalk Con. I respect him highly. Mm-hmm. He actually works with Marvel. Like, he is legitimately respected in the Comic-Con industry. He's a great human being, and he's, like, one of the people I look up to as far as being able to promote and market events that's not from around here. But... AC Boardwalk Con, they, they did okay the first year, yeah. and then they're like, all right, well, we're going to just crank it up by 10, and everything was last minute the final year of AC Boardwalk Con, then it, then it, then it just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, like Garden State Comic Fest, think about it. They have such a proven model up in North Jersey. Absolutely. What happened down here? Crickets. Crickets. And I think that it's... Because the area here might not be ready for something of that size continually. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been there, but how, how has the anime convention done the past couple of years? Anime Con, I think, has done okay. Uh, I mean, I've never been, but, I mean, it seems to low-key yeah. bring people in. I, uh, I think I went for a day last uh, year or the first year it happened or something like that, and it was okay. But I was surprised by the, the low crowd. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show you, it's like... You're gonna bring something into Atlantic City. You better prepare for it. Yeah, and and like you said, it's it's definitely it's definitely not Garden State Comic Fest. I mean, obviously, you know, I've, we've had Dave O'Hare on the show. Mm-hmm. Good dude. I mean, they just expanded. They they run three shows now. Dave and Sal are some of the the best people to run events in the entire state. Mm-hmm. I went to Winterfest. I drove two and a half hours in the downpouring rain to go to Winterfest to go talk to some of the artists that I was gonna have at Super Jersey and buy a shitload of books. And mm-hmm. I did. And I drove home in the downpouring rain. It, Seven and a half to eight hours total from when I left to come back just to go to a Comic-Con for a couple hours because I respect those guys. Yeah. And they do a darn good show because it's a real Comic-Con. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, I think, I I always hate blaming it on the area because everybody blames <laughs> it on the area. Right. But there, there are reasons why events don't come back here. There's a reason why Metallica will never come back here again. There is a reason why the Seafood Festival pulled out of Atlantic City and is now in Ventnor. Yeah. There are clear-cut reasons and a very large uh, New York media outlet published a story about our city last week regarding how it is legitimately like that scene in The Simpsons where there's a leaving town tax. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's sad, but it's it's what, what I don't think that, I guess you could say, the officials or the way that the city is run, it doesn't get, is that, like, People aren't rich really anymore, especially around here. Yeah. And you've alienated a large source of the population uh, by not caring for the city. And then the casinos have like, well, we're going to try and make up money we lost by charging more. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what if we booked five conventions and we made this much, why don't we try to make that up if we only booked two conventions? And then you've 
You've completely shut out any small to medium business owner, and even some of the largest business owners that run events in the city are having trouble affording doing these shows. That's not good. Mm -hmm. And do I want things to succeed here? Absolutely. Would I love for there to be um, a uh, uh, an annual convention here? Yeah. Um, I. It's funny because I've kind of I don't want to say been in negotiations, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to figure out how to word this because once a podcast goes out, I don't really want word to get out and then people start bugging me about it. So, I own AtlanticCity.net. Okay. I own the social media handles, Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. I do not own AtlanticCity.com because they want thousands of dollars for it. Okay. And I technically don't own the rights to the name Atlantic City. However, Atlantic City was my favorite thing to go to. Okay. As a kid growing up with my grandmother, mm-hmm. used to take me over to. I didn't never went to the one when it was in the actual convention center where Beer Fest is. I went to the one when it was at Boardwalk Hall. Okay, because you could find anything there. My goal is to bring back Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never talked to anyone about it publicly, mm-hmm. um, but I'm considering taking the name and tweaking the name, and then just building that mm-hmm. and. Let's say, hopefully, I don't get sued. But I think that an event that's an all-encompassing collectibles, antiques, comic book, toy-type show, done that way, done right, would work really well around here. Um, and I think that once people heard the name Atlantic City, uh, again, they would they would get excited. Um, because I, I anyone that I talk to over the age of 30 remembers it and went to it like crazy. People were 50, 60, oh my gosh, I would love for that to come back. Well, there's a, you know, the last couple years they did it, didn't go well. They tried moving it to the bigger convention center. They didn't promote it. It was when the internet was evolving massively, like 2009 to 2011. Mm-hmm. They didn't keep up with the internet, and it fell under. It, it went it went to pot. And it, it's funny because, like, this is the first I'm talking about it outside of talking to Justin and Penelope from mm-hmm. Farpoint and stuff like that. And that's not the event that we're, I'm working on with them. Right. Um, but this is something that I ideally would like to do as, you know, a counterpoint because I know that I would have to diversify the show. Okay. To do a show around here of the size of Atlantic City Boardwalk Con or Garden State Comic Fest or even Super Jersey, you would have to make it more than just comics. So what I would try and do is I would try and create a show that had multiple facets of focus. Um, I would work on getting Mike and Frank from American Pickers. You know what I mean? I would see if I could get one of the guys from Pawn Stars. I would get comic book vendors. I would try and bring out Heritage Auctions or Antique Roadshow. So that way you could have, imagine having giant quadrants of the show. You know, Comic Central, uh, Antique Alley, stuff like that. So it actually looks like a city that you walk through and you can go to different areas that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, so that way, if you're only there for this, then you go to this. Okay, cool. You don't have to be like, oh, I got to walk, I got to find this place, you know. That was my goal. And I normally, like, I don't ever put it out there that I'm, like, working on something or conceptualizing something. Mm -hmm. But it is. I'm trying to work on it. I would love to. And I feel like if it was done the right way, it could get the support, you know. Yeah. But that could eat, but that wouldn't even be something I would even attempt until 2021. Mm -hmm. You know, I would need to get settled in here at my office first. Life needs to slow down a little bit. Need to get through my first Comic-Con to see if I actually want to do this yeah. myself mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and I would just see how it goes. Because I'd rather see how it goes and wonder, oh, imagine what would have happened if I did it. I did that once in my life in a really big opportunity. And I will never pass that up again. I had the chance to go to New York to audition for the part of Casey Jones when they did the live action movie in the mid-2000s. 
You know the part that Stephen Amell got? Yeah. Yeah. I had the chance to, I had the chance to, uh, to, to uh, interview for that. Wow. I knew the woman who was a casting director mm-hmm. at the time um, for the production company, and she said, you've got the look, you've got the build, you've got the tattoos, we're looking for someone who's relatively unknown or completely unknown, uh, and we would love to have you. I was working at a nightclub in Atlantic City, and I was scared to take the night off because I had to be in New York at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Didn't do it. I could have been, I could, if the universe had worked out, I could be Casey Jones. That is my biggest regret in life. I don't have many regrets in life, but I legitimately had the opportunity to, 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 to audition for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I still have the, I, I can't, I never deleted the Facebook message because every now and then I go back to it to remind myself, don't ever pass anything up. Mm-hmm. Even if it seems crazy, even if it seems risky, just do it. Just give it a shot. And if you if you mess it up and you fail, then cool. Then learn from it. But don't ever wonder what if. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, that day I decided to stop doing it. And that's, I think that's a big part of how all this other stuff has worked out. Whether it be, you know, uh, the old YouTube channel. Whether it be, you know, anywhere I've gone and anyone that I've met and I've just, you know, tried to reach out to. It's like, what have I got to lose? I, I'd rather, yeah, may, okay, maybe I take a financial hit for trying something, but... It would eat me alive if I were to just say, oh, it's a little too risky. I don't want to lose blank. I would rather lose blank than never know what the other side could have been. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's why I'm involved in so much right now. I want to have my eggs in a lot of baskets because I feel that regret. I think about that all the time. Like, I literally could have been Casey Jones. There could I'm, have been a $100 VIP package for you to appear in a show. Right, right. And then I would said, now let's do, let's do $0 and bring me uh, bring me any Back to the Future memorabilia. I'll trade autographs for that. But I'm, I would, that's the thing is that like, yeah, you know, I know that I'm out and I'm a lot. I get it. I post on social media a lot, but I have a lot going on and I get it. I'm kind of, you know, always out there and always out and about, but it's like, I don't, even when the YouTube channel was doing super duper good, mm-hmm. I never wanted to consider myself more important or better or more elite than anyone else. I don't think I could, even if I did get the part, right? Say it did work out and here I am six years later and this is, I'm not doing this because I'm making enough money on movies. I don't think I could ch- charge to sign my name on something. like that. And that's, that's just not in my wheelhouse, you know? So, yeah, there's a part of it that I'm, I'm super pissed off about, but there are certain things that I think about. I'm like, mm, maybe I'm better off that that didn't happen because then that would have been really awkward for me, mm-hmm. you know, because I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to have to worry about where I go everywhere, you know, I'm, I'm th- but I use it as almost kind of like motivation and fuel to be like, yeah, I'm just not going to pass that up now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pass that up. And that's what I'm doing here. Throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks for this Comic-Con, you know? Um. So, you know, you're in this with two guys who were already doing a show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's still something that you're doing for the first time. Right. Uh, you know, and it's something that I've given thought to over the last few years, just watching shows come and go out of Atlantic City. Right. You know, and I, I guess the big question, where do you start? <laughs> like, if you, you, you say, hey, I want to put on a show here. Where do you start? Well, so to get anywhere first, you have to have a proper concept for the show. Mm-hmm. Not even a marketing plan, um, but if you have a look... If you have a name and you have a concept for the show, you can usually come up with something there. And that was it. The first thing for me, <clears throat> whenever I come up with something, is always the name. Because I'm a name guy. I'm a, I'm a relate your name to things guy. I, I come up with company names and logos and brands for people all day, every day. I'm doing it right now for like a reproduction vintage furniture company. Mm-hmm. You know, the name. Because if the name is memorable, then, you know, 
that that's going to hit you from hearing it from a point of view. Okay, the name needs to come first, and then the design. So I usually come up with a few different names for a new concept of something, and then I'll kind of go from there. The the name for me, I'm so big on the name, and if a name doesn't doesn't sit with me right, I it'll I'll I'll stay awake in bed all night. So. First, obviously, the name, and then you then you need to figure out, well, then wh- who is the show going to cater to? Mm-hmm. Who is the show going to cater to? Okay, there you're able to refine your marketing, refine your branding, even maybe refine the name. You have to see if anyone else has done the same thing as you, the name goes. Sure. Or the branding, or the style of show, when and where the other shows are that are in the area. And then from there, once you have that already, and you're certain that you really want to dive off this board, then you need to find a spot. So you start researching event spaces. You know, hotel ballrooms, convention centers, things like that. And you just got to send emails. Email, 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 call, call, call. You're going to get turned down by this person, that person, this person. Then this person takes your call. Then you have a chance. Then you can't make the financials work, so you got to go somewhere else. Um, For me, having the financial plan after that is paramount. The second you figure out how much much it is to rent the room, you need to figure out, okay, if we're going to be selling spaces to people, what do we have to... There needs to be a happy medium to where when the door opens, you're in the black already, but you're not price gouging the vendors who come in. You have to make it worthwhile for the vendors. Easy load in, proper times, give them love on social media, put them on the website, all that stuff. Once that's all done, then you can really start actually putting an event together. You reach out to people, but you need to give yourself so much time and get commitments early. We announced this show, geez, we announced it December 15th, Super Jersey. Okay. So December, January, February... Yeah, December. We announced it in December and January, February, March. From months. announcement to cons- to happening was four months, which was very short. And I normally wouldn't have done it that way. But now that I'm seeing how well it's already panned out, I'm okay with it. Normally I would have done it a year out. Mm-hmm. Start talking to people. Get people interested first. Don't make them commit right away. Like, hey, I'm working on a thing maybe for next year in Cherry Hill. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. Do you think you'd want to be part of it? Uh, that sounds cool. Let me know when you got more information. So plant the seeds first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you roll from there. And then, like I said, once you can find out the financials, it, if you can find a way to at least like not lose your shirt financially the first year of an event and you make an impression and people know about it, you've already won. Just because you didn't walk away financially doesn't mean that you've lost. Mm-hmm. New businesses shouldn't expect to make any money in the first three years anyway. That's what they say. It's true. Same thing with events. Mm-hmm. Two to three years, you should give it give it a chance. But if you can at least walk out of there not losing your shirt and maybe you're close to in the black, then great. If you walk out of there in the green, you're, you've already won. Mm-hmm. And I think too many people concentrate on making money in their first year. You got to see the long ball game. So if it's going to be an annual event, you need to set up for the future. Right. Don't throw all your eggs in one basket, you know, find a way if you can at all to lock in your dates for the following year and announce them at that show for people early. So, oh my God, they're announcing it already. Okay, mark the date on your calendars. You know, that's all. It's it's not rocket science. It's just a lot of cats to wrangle. It's a lot to handle at once. And it's, you know, it's not that people suck at doing things. It's just they think they, they miss a lot of the components that it really does take. What are your setup times going to be? What are your setup costs going to be? Are tables and chairs included? Are you doing pipe and drape? Well, how much is pipe and drape per square foot? What about catering? What are you going to need to provide to the people that are working there? What are your ticket surcharge fees? Where are you doing ticketing? Where are you going to line people up to get in? How are people going to get in? How are people going to get out? How are people going to flow through? That's the stuff that nobody thinks about. Mm -hmm. People don't think, like, well, if I'm getting VIP badges, how much do the VIP badges cost? 
didn't even think about that. Boom, there's another 300 you didn't factor into the budget. And then you're like, oh, well, we're losing money now. You know, it's it's those simple things. It's the people think of the big picture for the event, which is great, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Sure. But they don't think about the, the small things until a week before the show. Then they hit panic mode. I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. They think that they've got it ready. They think that they're, they're, they're good to go. And then they hit panic mode and, you know, stuff goes off the rails a week and a half, two weeks before the show. That's what I try to avoid. There's always going to be surprises at every event. doesn't matter what it is. Whether it's a complaining guest or a vendor that cancels or anything like that, literally sure. doesn't matter. Something is going to come up. Mm-hmm. But you can't worry about that until it happens. So you need people that are staffed with you that are able to stand up to high pressure, high volume, customer service driven situations where anything can happen. You know? I'm looking I'm looking down the barrel right now of a of a nationwide pandemic of a possible disease. But I I I can't I can't let it destroy my idea of the Comic Con. Right. Because as I mean, listen, I have your political or socioeconomic beliefs on everything. I do personally believe that a lot that's going on with this whole thing that's spreading or quote-unquote spreading. I think of it, a lot of it is media hype, but I do believe in being safe as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a happy medium, you yeah. know. I do think that there is a possibility that it could maybe affect the attendance, but I'm not going to worry about it until the day of. I'm still going to give every single... Excuse me, you good? That's my dog. Coffee. There you go. Good. Okay. Um... She just sits here, man. She just sits here like... She's been... so Guys, there's been a dog here the entire time. <laughs> She's sitting here like my little uh, my, my little sidekick, and I'm a James Bond villain on my lap. <laughs> She's sitting here like Salacious Crumb. And you have Crumb. been explaining your plans the entire time. Yeah, that's true. Yes, Mr. Bond, <laughs> I expect that. Sitting here like Salacious Crumb on my lap. Uh, um, and, uh, no, it's I, I realize that there could be an issue, but I'm not going to worry about it till day of, because mm-hmm. I'm already in it. We're already moving forward, and I'm just going to try and show people a good time. And I think that that's people, they, they put rose-colored glasses on, and they don't think that issues could arise until the very last minute when I've been thinking about them since the beginning and just trying to head them off at the pass. That's sure. all. Easy ticket purchasing. Uh, we're going to have easy setup, easy check-in for our vendors. We're going to be having pallet jacks and pallets for our vendors at the loading dock and take their stuff in for them and help them. That sort of thing. You know, it's... It, those are the little things, especially if it's involved with people like loading in somewhere with a lot of stuff. Paper's heavy. Yeah. Like, people don't really think about it. Paper's really heavy. When it comes to books, think about how heavy books are. A full long box sucks. It sucks. <laughs> but if you help them out and you make a good impression on it, then that's going to build you for the next year. Mm-hmm. I had such a good time. I can't wait till next year. Can I put my deposit down now for next year? As a matter of fact, you can, Bill. Yeah. Sure. No problem. I would love to take your money now. You know, and the balancing act, the balancing act of being able to try and make your money back and not uh, cutting the femoral artery of the attendee and the vendor. That's the big thing. And then you just got to have good marketing. And luckily, that's what I do for a living. Yes. So, I, you know, I built the website for the uh, for the convention. I do all the social media. I do all the graphic design, designing everything for the show, all the cards, all the, all the, all the merch and everything like that. You know, it's like, it's got to be all consistent. Having that consistent branding, figuring out what your your message is going to be. And ours has kind of been, keep the comics in Comic-Con. Yeah. That's all. Because it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's... You could go to Chud, which is one of my favorite events in the state. You go to Bill Bead's shows. Like, I love the way he runs, because literally comics, just comics, comics. Yes. But they are what they are. And he, you know, does a Holiday Inn in Cherry Hill. Boom. Perfection for that size. Yeah. And New Jersey Collector's Con. Perfection for that size. 
I just want to do something that feels like a big New York Comic Con, but you're not crying about your bank account when you leave. Absolutely. And I want kids who want dollar books, who only know who Spider-Man is because of Into the Spider-Verse, mm -hmm. and I want guys coming in with the metal briefcases handcuffed to their wrist because they have a $50,000 comic Getting book. Getting their slab graded. We yeah. sold a $10,000 comic book at Middletown Comic Show. Damn. Yeah. It was a graded 9.4 Hulk 181. Five-figure book sold at a free little comic book show at an art center. That's what I wanted this. I want anyone from four for a dollar mm -hmm. to $10,000 books. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And it's, it's with the vendors that we're going to have, I mean, I'm very confident that we're going to be just fine with that entire gamut. You know, we're inviting people to dress up in cosplay. I know that there's a couple professional cosplayers that are coming out. I want to see people dressed up. Hell, I might get dressed up. I might shake the rust off my Captain America costume for the uh, from the Farpoint commercial. Who I was knows? Gonna say that was just a few months ago. It was Give just a few rusty. months ago. I, I, but I put it. I, I, I did, if I didn't put it away, I'd still be wearing it now. <laughs> so I, I try and dust it off. You know yeah. what I mean? And you know, I don't know. It's it's meant to be fun over everything else. Yes, there's financials about it. Yeah, it'd be cool to make money on it someday. But it's also one time a year. It's never going to be revenue for me. Mm -hmm. Never. You know what I mean? But it, it might help someday to actually, you know, have it be known that the this is what I want. In five years, I want this to be the Heroes Con of the North. I like that. That's what I want. Um, or Baltimore Comic Con of New Jersey. I'm going to Baltimore this year. I keep, every single year I tell myself I'm going to Baltimore and I never make it. Never. Something always comes up. Literally every freaking time. I'm going to try and go this year. Yeah, I, I'm booking the Airbnb this week. Yeah, I want. <laughs> I really, really want to go. And that's, I'm going to MegaCon in Orlando. I am. Nice. I'm going to go for two days uh, just because I want to dress up like Andy Bernard and get my photo with the cast of The Office because they're going to be there. Uh -huh. And some of my favorite comic vendors from all over there. And I made some... I went last year. I made some great purchases. I got my Avengers 4. I got, um, what else did I get? I got the uh, first Guardians of the Galaxy there. You know, I've been, I've just been, you know, trying to build up my, my museum collection, you know, and um, I want this to be a show where people come from far and wide and there's almost a sense of urgency to get in and go. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we'll go. I want people to not want to miss it. Yeah. So we're going to do it as a one-day show for the first couple of years. We're going to see how it goes. And then maybe, who knows, a couple of years down the line, maybe we'll make it a weekend show. Maybe. But right now, what we're billing it as a one-day comic book super show. That's it. That sounds, if you love comics, you're going to love the show. That's it. Um, real quick, what is the, uh, the website for the show again? So SuperJerseyExpo.com. Mm -hmm. And all of the social media mm -hmm. is at SuperJerseyExpo. We, we were going to go Super Jersey Comic Expo, but... When I build social media and websites for someone, the .com and the social media symbols have to be the same. So Spotlight Marketing, SpotlightMKTG.net. Facebook is Facebook.com slash SpotlightMKTG. The .com and the, the social media usernames always have to be the same for me whenever I build a brand for somebody, whatever mm -hmm. it is. If it's not, I can't sleep at night and it drives me nuts. Because, well, people are never going to remember the Facebook <laughs> now. Or people are never going to remember the Instagram. So we decided to cut the comic out of the, the domain and stuff like that. But... You should know that when you hear that, you're going to hear the name first, and then you're going to see the names and the usernames and the domain second. And I tell people that all the time. So, superjerseyexpo.com, and go and you can see the vendor list, you can go and see you know our guests and stuff like that. You can buy tickets. We are doing tickets online, mm -hmm. but there is no difference in price between online and and at the door. It's just solely for convenience. It doesn't cost you any more to book them online. But we want people that if they want to just be able to come in and get in, boom, boom, bing, bang, done, 
then great, they're going to be able to do that there. That's all. And, you know, we've sold a good amount of tickets, and I think we're about halfway sold out of VIP, mm-hmm. which is great. Awesome. Um, very, very happy to see that people are trusting in us, um, but those are very limited, mm-hmm. you know, as well. So we want to make sure that um, people have the easiest time possible booking their time with us, getting to the show, checking in. So try to, you know, just trying to make it easy to navigate. I, I think the website's super easy to navigate, but I'm partial to that. <laughs> Uh, and then before we close out here, mm-hmm. uh, I would be remiss because we do one thing we always love asking our guests about is about their pets. Mm-hmm. And you have a uh, beautiful little girl sitting yep. on your lap. Please tell me about Coco. So this is Coco. I have had Coco for going on. I think it's we're about 12 and a half years in. Um, I got her from the I got her from the rescue right in Pleasantville uh, off of uh, Shore Road there, which mm-hmm. is Atlantic County Animal Shelter. Shelter? I think something so. like that. Yeah. Um, she was originally found running around 59th street in Vineland. Uh, she was about a year, year and a half old, uh, when they picked her up and she was named bounce when she was in the shelter because she was on her back feet and she was just, she would just bounce <laughs> and she had legs, man. She was a kangaroo. Um, she turned 14 a couple weeks ago. Wow. Uh, in October, she, we found out that she had diabetes mm. and she went blind from the diabetes, but corralled her diet. Got her insulin management under control, everything like that. Started, you know, giving her freedom to run around. And actually, some of her eyesight in her right eye came back. Oh, wow. So she can actually, I think she's probably got about 50%, 40 or 50%. Because you do this and she can see shadows and stuff like that. And I'm good enough for that. And since then, her energy has exploded back. She runs around. She sniffs. She reacts to things. And it's I like I know she's old, but she's so energetic now. And she actually reacts to things. I feel like I have a puppy again. I've had over a dozen amazing years with this dog. She's like my child, and I would do it. She comes with me everywhere. That's great. It doesn't matter. When I went up to the podcast with Ming, she was in the car. And she just I have a little pillow on the, dry, on the passenger seat of my car, and she just sleeps in there. And she comes with me wherever I go. She's here with me every morning. You know, I have her insulin in the fridge air, and she's, she's kind of like my world. You know, she's been my furry little sidekick and traveled with me everywhere for over a dozen years. And I'm very happy to have her. She's kind of like the light of my life. Yeah, people find it funny because you know, I'm such a big tattooed guy, and I carry around this little dog that's literally wearing a pink knit hoodie right now. You know, <laughs> and she's just the sweetest little thing. She used to not be. She used to be crazy, rambunctious, all this stuff, but she's really kind of calmed down in the past few years. And um, I, there was a rough time. She was really heavy. She was not doing well. I thought I thought I was going to lose her. You know, she had like cysts, kind of like lumps growing everywhere. They went away. I tell you what, once we got the diabetes under control, everything came back. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Except her vision, obviously. Most of it. But the fact, I, I, there was only a couple weeks ago that I noticed that she could see again, and I could have cried. Like, I let her go on walks now. She went chasing geese in Smithville yesterday. I was like, oh, my puppy, I love you so much. <laughs> so, unfortunately, pets are not allowed in Bellworks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I could, I would bring her everywhere. Yeah. I brought her to Seafood Fest. I have a little carrier. The carrier yeah. thing on my chest, and she just sits there with one arm out like a cool guy, like Matthew McConaughey <laughs> in American Graffiti. She literally positions it so her one arm is like this, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll just take whatever treats you got." <laughs> so her favorite treats are broccoli and carrots. Oh Oddly wow! Enough, she loves okay, carrots. Yep, yeah. and um, yeah, that's it. She's she's my little baby. All right, yeah. well, Paul. Before we cl- uh, wrap up, anything else we need to know about Super Jersey Comic Expo? No, just come expecting to have a good time. It's roughly about an hour and 20 to an hour and 25 directly from right here. I'm, you know, we're right off exit 36 of the parkway right here in my mm-hmm. office. It takes me about an hour and 20 basically flat to get there. It's basically if you're going towards the PNC Arts Center, get off at exit 114. And it's a few minutes off of that. 
super easy to get to, and I know a lot of people from around here have considered supporting it, and seeing people from Atlantic City come to this show, even if it's five people, will make me feel like I've succeeded, and people that go to this show are going to be able to get to see, hopefully, the future of maybe something that'll be built for down here. So call it a preview, if you will. I would love to. Awesome. Paul, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics. For just a dollar donation, get you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. And a $2 donation gets you a free random comic book in the mail from my collection. If we hit uh, $10 in monthly donations, we'll start a new project, most likely a deep dive retrospective on James Robinson and Tony Harris's Starman. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones Podcast, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, Scott Madrinsky from Mojoswork.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's upcoming Spider-Woman series, Seren and Rick Cook Jr., you can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox, plus sneak peeks at what's ahead and an early look at our weekly editorial. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, reviews, previews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA!